Hey, so welcome to uh, another edition of the Tragedy into Triumph podcast. Uh, Wendell Brown here, founder of Tragedy into Triumph. If you're just finding us, the goal of Tragedy into Triumph is exactly what Revelation 12:11 says. We believe that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so as a part of this podcast, you'll hear great stories. You'll hear stories of triumph, of people overcoming, of people finding hope and help in the name and in the power and strength of Jesus Christ. And so today I'm just thrilled to be joined by Nick Gaglioni. Nick, uh, Nick, Nick has an amazing story. I, I first met this guy. He was in, in my office for, uh, for kind of my day, for my day job for a minute. And, uh, and the reality is, I, man, just like immediately I was drawn to his story and to what God has done in his life. So Nick, welcome today, man. How's it going? All, all good. We're so glad to have you and uh, so glad to hear and to see what God has has done in your life. So, you know, one of the cool things is everybody's got a story, right? So everybody's got everybody's got a, uh, a, a history, uh, a family background, decision points and things that make up their life. Right. So uh, so so walk us through your journey, man. Tell us tell us your story. What uh uh, where where did you see? Uh, just start at the beginning and tell us your story. Yeah, totally. So I started off. Luckily, I was raised by two awesome Christian parents, so I had that foundation in Christ at a young age. And as I got older, especially into high school, I started to acknowledge God, but I put Him uh, lower on uh, my totem pole, if you will. You know, I put certain things above the Lord, and just with how society wants you to think, I became focused on different things. And uh, at age seventeen. I had my first of five knee surgeries. Um, I was born with a condition called bilateral subluxation in my patellas, and I didn't notice I had it until I started to play uh, sports um, when I was when my body was fully grown. Uh, whenever I would run, my uh, kneecaps would dislocate, and I would just fall to the ground. And uh, I had to have five knee surgeries starting at age 17. Uh, my first knee surgery was to get my right kneecap realigned. My second knee surgery was to get my left kneecap realigned. Uh, my third knee surgery was for crepitus in my right knee. And then my fourth knee surgery was for the bone spurs in my left knee. And then the fifth knee surgery was to get the screws removed from both of my knees from the surgeries. Um, during that time, I was prescribed uh, pain medication. So, um, I, hey, hey, Nick, hold yeah. on just a second, though, man. So five surgeries in how many years? Uh, two and a half years. Two and a half years. Yeah. Uh, and 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 so each one more painful, more 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 difficult than the one before it. What? Um. I mean, walk us through that. That's a lot. Yeah. So initially, the the first two surgeries, it was just supposed to be the first two, and then done. Um. But I started to have complications afterwards, where my knees were actually in more pain. Uh. Just because when you realign someone's kneecaps, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. You know. And uh, especially like losing muscle, trying to regain the muscle, going to physical therapy. Like it was a lot of wear and tear on my knees during that time. Man, man, mm -hmm. man. I, so, so, so you have these knee surgeries, they're painful, they're repetitive. Uh, yeah. I mean, two and a half years, you probably feel like you're never going to get through this, don't you? I mean, yeah. 
the biggest sacrifice for me was not being able to play sports because I was always an athlete. I always had aspirations. I love playing football. I love playing basketball and to be stripped away from that, um, especially because I was in a wheelchair because I didn't want to put be on crutches because that would me to that would require me to put pressure on one of my knees. Right. And with what bad condition my knees were, my knees were in, I was in a wheelchair in and out for uh, two and a half years during that time. Two and a half years. Now, had you graduated high school at that point? Were you, or you were a senior or, or so 17 is when they started, right? Yeah. So I had my first surgery was in the fall of my junior year. And then my second surgery was the spring of my, um, spring of my junior year. And then my third surgery was uh, fall of my senior year. And then spring of my senior year was my fourth knee surgery. And then my fifth one was in my uh, first semester of college. Man, man difficult. So at a time when like you're, you're this peaking athlete, right? You've got, you've got life at your fingertips, all of a sudden a two and a half year reversal, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so then you're, you're prescribed all these medications. Talk, talk about that then. Yeah. So I was prescribed Percocets for my first uh, knee surgery. And I remember taking them for the first time and I was just like, Whoa, what's this amazing feeling? You know, and because I had a doctor prescribing them to me, I thought it was okay to take. So I was like, all right, I have this condition with my knees. This is the medication that doctors are telling me to take. I'm a young 17 year old kid, so I don't know any better. And I had access to people who were talking to me like, oh, you're getting prescribed this because some people tried to buy them off me in high school. And I was like, why are you coming up to me? No. But then I figured out there were some people that were selling them. So I got in connections with those people because the I was getting prescribed originally. I was supposed to take 30 milligrams a day. So 10 milligrams in the morning, evening, and then at night. But it got to the point where I built up a tolerance to it just from all the surgeries and all the pain. So it wasn't enough for me. I had to get more. Um, and at the height of my addiction, so at the end of the two and a half year journey of me being prescribed uh, pain medication, I was doing over 200 milligrams of oxycodone a day. 200 milligrams. Yeah. And, and so tell us what I like, what was that costing you a day, man? Oh, so it was roughly like a dollar per mil- per, mil- per milligram. I was spending so much money. I know I spent thousands of dollars over time on that stuff. I mean, I was easily hundreds of dollars a day. I drained all my money. I was borrowing money from people and I was a really good liar at the time too, because for me, uh, getting your drug fix is more important than eating. It's more important than living. Like you wake up like, okay, how can I get that fixed? So you'll stop at nothing. Um, so I was just stealing money from people lying, saying I was in a certain situation to re- get the money I needed to go wow. out and get the fix. Wow. Wow. So like, were, were family friends noticing what was going on? Were, I mean, Talk a little bit of that, about that, because, you know, one of the struggles for, for any person that struggled with addiction is how it isolates our family and friends, right? I yeah. Mean, yeah. Talk a, bit, a little bit about that. So I was really good at faking it because I naturally have an upbeat and giddy personality. So when I was taking the pills, I was just acting out. And my nickname was Gags growing up. So my friends are like, oh, that's just Gags being Gags. He's just doing his thing. Uh, but my dad noticed it because I was living with him and he noticed the withdrawal symptoms, you know, because he saw it firsthand. Man. And um, he's the one where he's just like, you need to get sober. You need to get sober. And he kept pushing me to get uh, to get sober, to go to a detox center. And aside from financially um, hitting up people uh, for money, 
Um, I was really, really good at hiding it. I was very active doing it. And uh, if I had to go out and about for that day, I was on pills, you know, so it just became normal at that point. Wow. Wow. So two and a half years of knee surgery leads to addiction. How, how long did you struggle with addiction? Um, from the point of my first knee surgery, um, all the way, it was after my fifth one where I was starting to buy them. It was about uh, six months after my fifth knee surgery when I was still continuing to buy them. And for me, it wasn't even toward the end of my fifth knee surgery. It was more about my brain than my knees, you know, and it was about getting that mental fix and making sure my mind was right. And it wasn't even about the pain in my knees anymore. I was just so used to taking them every single day that just became like a normal habit for me to do so. And it was just like 24 seven, like I was high and it got to the point where I was like, if the grass was green and the sky was blue, I used that as an excuse to do pills. You know, I could find any reason I could uh, to justify the means to, uh, to eat as many painkillers as I could. Man, man. Yeah. I, it, it's amazing. It's ama- amazing how anybody that struggled with addiction, which would be me too, right? Like, <laughs> man, you, you know, had my own story of, of, of pawning things or, or going through a season where I'm writing bad checks. So I have money to, to, to feed a habit. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and for any person that's ever, ever gone through that, it's, it's like a, it's like a no holds barred. I, you know, people that have never gone through it, they don't understand how your body is like, I have to have it. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah the, the way I describe it to people that haven't gone through it, when you're going through withdrawal, it's like being attached to an electric chair. That's yeah. the only way to describe withdrawal to somebody who hasn't been through it. Yeah, that's a that's a great that's a great example. So your dad, your dad sees your life. He's like, Nick, Nick, you got to detox. You've got it. We've got to take some steps. So, so mm-hmm. what happened, then? man? You're you're at this point really where it's it's a make or break point in your life, isn't it? Yeah. So I got to the point at the height of my addiction. What inspired me to stop was that I was doing over 200 milligrams a day and I wasn't even getting high. I was just taking them to feel normal. And uh, that's where I had my breaking point. And I had a moment where I was just laying down in my bed and I was just watching some videos, you know, about God on my YouTube. You know, just laying in my bed and I'm just listening. I'm like, man, I really need to have a powerful prayer. So I was just like, tears were coming. I'm about to cry right now. Just tears were coming down my face and I had my, my hands folded and I was crying. And I just told the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I do not want this to be my life. I'll do whatever it takes to serve you, to be a better person. I want to be a married man. I want to have children. It's like, right when I reached that point where I just said children, I felt the Holy spirit come upon me and I felt these massive tingles. It started in my head and it went all the way down into my stomach and my whole body was just tingling. I was almost like numb, but it was this warm and comfortable feeling. And my body started like trembling and vibrating a little bit. And it lasted for about between five to 10 seconds. And then it slowly simmered down. And I was like, I was like, oh my goodness, like God actually heard my prayer. And like when the Holy Spirit touched me, um, it was that moment where like, I just knew I was like, well, God heard my prayer. Like there's the heat, there's something to this. And that very next day I decided to admit myself into a detox center. And uh, from there, that's when I started my path to sobriety and I haven't used drugs since. Man, how about that? So, so detox, how difficult, right? Like it was like an, an electric chair, right? I mean, yep. I yeah. couldn't sleep. I was shaking. I was flopping like a fish 
gasping for air on my bed. I was going like, I was just like, and I couldn't help it. It's almost like I had Tourette's like in my voice. Like I was just like stuttering. I was shaking and reached a point where I was just sweating. I was super constipated. You're puking. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, it was just total agony, but I knew God was with me. And that's one of the most important things that I learned was that um, God uh, still had me go through the withdrawal process, even though I felt touched by the Holy spirit. And whenever I preach, I tell people, that God isn't just going to cure you from whatever you're going through or just wipe it away because there are consequences for your actions in life. But what the Lord showed me is that I'm going to be by your side because you're strong enough to endure this. And a lot of times we're a lot stronger than we think we are. Um, but, you know, when Jesus is with us and he's fighting the battles with you, you know, that's when you know that you can accomplish or achieve anything in life. That's that's awesome. I And that's really the core of tragedy and the triumph. Like, you, you the reality is, is that scripture says that the wages of sin is death, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Ultimately, sin leads to death. Something that I think we miss is that there are wages for sin. There's a price to our body, to our lives, to our relationships, this side of heaven that that, that has to be satisfied in the midst of sin, right? Mm-hmm. And in the midst of struggles. So yeah, it's a great point. God didn't remove the detox. You had to go through it. Right. And it was part of that maturation process where, where, where God heals you, where God gives you a hope, right? Mm-hmm. You, something, something I find so interesting is in, in our world today, everybody wants easy. Everybody wants the quick fix, right? Mm-hmm. I yes. Mean, everybody wants, well, man, I'm doing the right thing. Why isn't this working out in my life? And, and, and if, if we reap what we sow, there's always a different season to harvest than when we plant. Yes. Right? So, so whatever we plant, there's, there's going to be moments where I've got to, I've got to wait a season out. I've mm-hmm. got to struggle through so that I can see what God's doing in my life or what he's been up to the whole time. Right. Yes. And, uh, you know, I have my company lift with Christ and I've learned, you know, that sometimes our fitness life mirrors our spiritual life. Uh. You got to put in the work each and every single day and nurture your body the right way, the same way we nurture our spirits, you know, and just like for me, I can bench press, I can wrap 320 pounds on my bench press. Right. But when you put, when you put that weight on me, the very first time I go to the gym, I'm going to get buried in it. You know, and it's a lot of the times God is trying to strengthen you and mature you before he gives you that breakthrough because he's going to give it to you when you're ready. You know, so I've just learned in my life that when things aren't going my way, you know, whether it's with business, you know, and at the time when I was trying to get off drugs and just whenever I look at different aspects of my life, I'm just like, whenever God doesn't answer my prayers right away, it's because he's trying to teach me a lesson. And there's so many times a lot of Christians when they get caught up in trying to grow spiritually and to get spiritually mature that they're not willing to to sit back and be like, okay, what is God trying to teach me to make me a better person? You know, it's just humans, we haste things and we want immediate success, yeah. you know, but a lot of times we miss the lessons along the way, you know, to help us because God cares because I'm just one person on this earth, right? Yeah. But for me to go through my addiction, I'm able to touch so many other lives because of what I went through. And there's much bigger reason for what God has us go through than what we see with our own eyes. That's good. That's good. That's rich right there, right? That's mm-hmm. something, everybody that's listening to this, that's something you can hold on to, right? I mean, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I, you know, you know, and I think it's even harder, man, given the world that we live in, yes. when everything is at your fingertips and you can mm-hmm. have everything right now. Yes. I mean, I mean, how, what does that, how does that impact our prayer life when God says, wait, when mm-hmm. God says, hold on, 
right? Yes. That's, man, it's such an interesting dynamic. And it's so hard given the conditions of the world that we live in when everything's right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Just like going on your cell phone. If I want to, if I'm thinking of something, I can hold on my phone, look it up now. I mean, even it's got to the point with, even with food, you can sit, chill yeah. on your phone, click a few buttons and you got food right at your door. You don't have to go to your kitchen to cook. I know. <laughs> you know I, mean? I know. <laughs> pretty soon you're, man, you're too young, but pretty soon you will, it'll be like the Jetsons where like they just program, you know, yeah. and then just open it up and there it is, you know, it just, uh-huh. yeah. Out of thin air almost, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're moving in that way. I mean, I'm 26. I'm going to be 27 this month. And I mean, I've seen how things have progressed since I was little. Like, wait yeah. till I, I get into my 40s, you know, in 50s. And you know what I mean? And we're only going to grow from here, you know? That's right. So so you, you, you've you gone through this process, this healing. You you detoxed. And uh, and and from that point forward, you've never been back, right? Am I understanding Correct. that right? Correct. Yeah, I have not even had a sip of alcohol, no pill. Like, I've been completely sober since then. Nothing. So how many years completely free? Um, we're going on year eight. Year eight. Mm-hmm. Everybody listen to that. You, you need to hear that. Year eight, man, of a transformed, triumphant life because you had a real life encounter with Jesus Christ. Yes. It's amazing. That's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. A life that was headed for destruction, had a real confrontation with Jesus Christ. And now, like, like the word says, you have a hope and a future, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So now you're in a, you're in a different season. Um, and, and, and walk us through where, where, where's life now? What are you, what's God doing in your life now? How's he using you today? Yeah. So from my, uh, knee surgeries that I had, um, when I left the detox center, the very first thing I did was go to the gym. You know, that's because I had to redesign who I was, reclaim my life, right? So one of the things, if I had to give advice to anyone who's going through addiction, is that um, you, when you leave that detox center, you got to be new. Like the old habits, the old you, it's all gone. You're creating a new life for yourself and a new identity. And for me, I found that with the gym, like I love working out with a passion. I love doing cardio. I love moving weights. And the, uh, the natural endorphins and dopamine that it produces when I'm at the gym, it's my new high. I turned my addiction from drugs into an addiction to fitness. And uh, that was really my anchor to help uh, maintain my sobriety. And from that, you know, it inspired me to eat healthier because I wanted to make those gains. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, you can only do that if you're eating the right foods. You know, so I eat super, super lean. And uh, for me, the diet and the fitness is what really helped anchor my sobriety. So from then, like, you know, the Lord just had me focus on going to the gym and getting in shape, you know, and to now at uh, 26, like I said, I'll be turning 27 this month. Um, I'm a motivational speaker and I have my ministry lift with Christ uh, because I found the gym through my addiction. And, you know, the ultimate goal, I obviously want to touch as many people as I can. But, you know, the heart of what I do is like, I just think of people that are my age and a lot of people that are around my age have fallen off with Christ. You know, um, I, Jim Copenhaver bring up, brought up an interesting stat that over 85% of the people that are in ministry are age 55 and up, you know, in my generation of people, they're letting, uh, they're letting it fall, slip through our fingertips, you know, and it's like, if we're not passing it down, what are we going to do? for the next generation of people, you know, and I just know how Christ impacted me and I'm not special. I don't have any superpowers. Right. I just had a powerful prayer moment, but I want to reach other people that are my age that are falling off, going to the bars. You know, I know several people I graduated with that are drinking uh, multiple times a week. And I just look at them and I'm just like, 
man, if only they had Christ in their life, because God sees potential in us that we don't see in ourselves, but because of how society is, you know, if you want to meet a girl, you have to go to the bar you're instead of like society, like they should be telling you, Hey, you need to go to the church to find a wife, Yeah, you know? And uh, with how many people are falling out of Christ, they're falling down bad habits or going down the wrong path. My, my, where my heart is, is just reaching those people being like, Hey, being a Christian is actually cool. Being a Christian is fun, you know? And it's something that um, you should enjoy. Cause I love going to church when I get spiritually fed and I just hear a word, it just clicks with me. Like the Holy spirit just gives you a gut punch. And I'm just yeah. like, Oh man, that feels good. That's what I live for, you know? And it's like, there's so many people that are missing out on that relationship uh, with God because they similar before my addiction, I acknowledged his, his existence, but I wasn't living for God. God wasn't at the top of the totem pole for me in terms of uh, who I was living for, you know, and um, a lot of the things like if you go up to the bars and drink, you know, don't go chasing a high if you can't handle the crash, you know, out, a lot of alcohol is a tool that Satan uses to pull people out of their callings, strip money away from their families, leads to divorce, you know, and I just uh, as I've grown with the Lord, I've been very aware of spiritual attacks that um, and spiritual warfare and things that the enemy uses to try and pull us away from God and because the enemy is here to steal, kill and destroy. Yeah. And he'll use anything. And he, um, you know, just like Jesus is here to speak truth. And there's a lot of lies out there in society. And there's a lot of things that society um, wants you to do. And ultimately, uh, a lot of the things that society preaches um, pulls us away from the Lord. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I heard uh, somebody say um, that there's a reason why alcohol is called spirits. Think about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if we're, if we're, if, if everything really in our lives is spiritual, why do we call alcohol spirits? What right. spirit is in alcohol? Just think about that. That's an interesting take on that, you know? Yeah. And the Bible tells us to be sober-minded too, yeah. you know, and um, a lot of the spiritual warfare actually goes on in our minds and what That's we're right. thinking. In every decision we make, we have to think it before we do it. And if Satan can use alcohol to get inside your mind, it's like, man, he could drag you out and pull you whichever way, you know? That's cool. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So you're 26. You've got your life before you. You got, you know, man, I just turned 50 last week. So I'm getting to be an old dude, man. And, uh, you, you know, you've got, uh, you, you, you know, you got, I got 24 years on you. So you got a lot of time, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and there's an interesting dynamic from somebody who really is passed from death to life. There's something that happens in us where it's like every second, is all about something greater than me. Every second is about a different purpose. Every second is not just a coincidence. It's a God-ordained moment in my life. Mm -hmm. And I want to maximize those moments, right? Yes. So, so any person has passed from death to life. So, so just real quick, you're, 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 you're dedicating your life to fitness. You've, you've experienced this tragedy and the triumph in your life. How are you staying triumphant? How do you ensure that you never go back to what you were? Yeah, right now, my biggest thing, especially uh, being a motivational speaker, I'm going to quote a Spider-Man movie, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> yeah. You know, so now I'm like, you know, especially because I got something in the works right now in terms of my preaching career, you know, but I just know that it's like, if God's going to put a lot of weight on my shoulder, I better be able to squat it, you know, where it's more than just me and my own sobriety. It's like, okay, if I'm going to be a motivational speaker and touch other people and tell others to be sober, to be sober, you know, a lot of them are writing 
on my back, my back, because I have to set a precedent and example for those people. I just had a guy named Mike come into my life and um, I helped him uh, get sober. And um, I can't, I can't help somebody like him if I'm not practicing it myself, you know? So I'm at a point where, especially calling myself lift with Christ, I branded myself with the Lord. So I know that uh, the enemy is going to throw a lot of attacks at me. Um, But my biggest thing is just staying sober, focusing on my ministry and my career. And just knowing that the more I focus on God and staying sober, uh, the more people I'm going to be able to help. And the more that the Lord can bless me and help lift with Christ, uh, grow into whatever he calls it to be. Awesome. So you've got a whole package that you developed for Lift Lift with Christ, right? Yes. Um, how do people find information about you? Mm-hmm. So it's real simple right now. Just go on liftwithchrist.org. Um, right now I have YouTube videos um, where I show different videos of me lifting with different Bible verses. And I do voiceovers in those videos. And I pick different topics and talk about those topics as I'm doing a weightlifting. So you're actually lifting with Christ. You're seeing a workout and you're hearing a voiceover. Um, You can also go on my website, liftwithchrist.org. And right now I'm doing what's called a seven-day blitz. So if you, a lot of people that get, get into fitness, it's very routine. Like I don't care if you look at Dwayne The Rock Johnson's diet and workout routine. It's very, very similar week to week. So my biggest goal with that week is to give somebody a template saying, okay, so Sunday through Saturday, I'm going to eat and do these certain workouts and it's there. They're not going to be easy, but the goal at the end of it is to be like, wow, I was, something was written for me on a piece of paper. I actually went through it and did it. And there's nothing stopping me from doing it again. Nice. You know, So the seven day blitz, it's not easy, but it's like, okay, it's only, it's only one week you sign up for it. And then once people, uh, once you do it and you realize you can succeed from there, you just keep repeating it yourself. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things that a trainer, a lot of people like personal trainers hold their clients hostage and they try to stick with them for months and months. And my strategy is like, no, you want them to go out and be dependent and do it on their own because they can, you know? So I just, just give them just a quick template, be like, eat this, uh, do these workouts and then boom, just get off to the races after that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So everybody liftwithchrist.org is where you need to go to get all the information, right? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Nick, thanks so much, man, for spending some time with us today. Uh, You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this and it's been a real blast. Man, man, really super cool. Oh, and I didn't mention you're, you're married, right? That is correct. Yes, I am a married man. And uh, my wife and I, Haley, that's a whole different story for a different different day to how the Lord led me to her. But we have a ministry called Two for Christ. And I'm not much of a singer, but my wife definitely is. Nice. And uh, she sings worship. You know, she sings Christian songs. So there's times her and I will get booked for uh, events where she'll do the singing or she'll do the worship before I come out to speak. And we've been uh, tag teaming uh, different places with that. And I've been having a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, awesome. And and I can tell you, man, his wife can sing. So if y'all want to get connected with him, go to his website. So Nick, thanks so much, man. Okay. Yeah, thank you. God bless, Wendell. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And to to the Tragedy and the Triumph group, man, uh, November 13 through 16, we have have a speaker lineup set up, uh, a guy by the name of Stan Stevers on November 13th. He, uh, he committed murder first degree, was incarcerated, found Christ, has an amazing story about overcoming racism and, and grace and forgiveness in his life. Then we have Mark Richt coming, who was the coach at Georgia. We have uh, Lamoris Crawford, who's an NFL chaplain, grew up on the streets of Chicago, was, was poor and, and watched his mom get, get shot and murdered in cold blood and still found a way to come out of that and find Christ. And then, uh, then our last speaker, November 
November 13 through 16 is Montel Jordan. Um, Montel sang the song, uh, hip hop song, This Is How We Do It. And a uh, big time song, You, I'm sure you'll remember it, but uh, has an amazing story of how God healed his life. So tragedyandatriumph.com gives all the information. You can sign up for a free simulcast. You can simulcast it to your small groups or church, as well as um, if you're in Ohio, you can come live to the event in Circleville, just south of Columbus. So thanks everybody for tuning in. May God bless you and may each of you experience the triumph that comes through tragedy that's only found in Jesus Christ. Thanks. Bye-bye. God bless.